The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 91st episode of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz, and I am the host of this amazing podcast that you are listening to right now. Joining with me, as always, is my good partner, my good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, my man? I am doing amazing. Um, just... Uh, Got some work in today, replaying BTE so I can kind of remember what happened. Uh, yeah, I don't know. it's been a, a really good week after a couple not great weeks, so I'm feeling up and energized. And I just want to send, uh, by the time you listen to the show, send the congrats to all three of the winners from last week. They all emailed me, I was able to get them all their prizes. So that's the end of that. And a special yeah. thank you to everyone again who voted in the end of the year awards. Yeah, seriously. We genuinely appreciate you guys making that as cool as it was. Um, and thank you guys so much for everything. Uh, sorry if you didn't win. Uh, again, there's always the 2021 end of the year awards uh, that will be coming up uh, next year. But yeah. This is All Things Elite. We're going to be taking a look at AEW Dynamite for this week. We got a lot to talk about. This was night two of New Year's of New Year's Smash, and we had a, a lot to talk about, especially leading towards the main event and a lot of other stuff that happened with the Elite. Obviously, what they did last night was uh, last week more so was absolutely insane. Just the bombshell that they did uh, when Good Brothers showed up. Kenny and the Bucks all held up the two sweet. We had a lot of momentum leading into night two. And of course, we had a TNT title to main event the show. But we're going to get into everything for this week of all things elite. But first, I want to make sure that you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify, you can do the same thing as all of those, but just share the podcast. Like if you listen on Google, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you listen on Spotify, share the podcast around. We would appreciate it. Leave a rating and a review to let us know what we could do better. And if you are also so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. On social media, you can support us as well. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this whole thing possible. I am at SZoomer4, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. The big news of the week that we want to talk about before we get into Dynamite is that uh, 
Uh, it seems like AEW's taking a page out of the ATE books, and they're doing their own end-of-the-year voting uh, for 2020. Uh, I doubt they actually took it from us, but if they did, it's cool. But, yeah, AEW has their own uh, voting system where you guys can take part in saying what you thought was the best of AEW of the year of 2020. Uh, I actually got the email for it today, so... Uh, if you are subscribed to them through like uh, All Elite Fleet, you probably got it through there. They've also been tweeting it out. So yeah, if you want to support that and you want to see, because that's going to get a ton of responses, I'm sure. Uh, it's going to be also interesting to see if I want to see if our results line up to what theirs were, because I I'm very intrigued to see what uh, people vote on for that, because it's got so many more chances for things to go one way instead of the other way but if you want to do that check aw socials and you can take part in that yeah and they got awards that we don't have and you know like they got john silver as in the voting for the aew breakout star of the year and i just wonder you know you know we he won our bte star of the year bte mvp so i wonder how much that's going to translate over uh, how many people that watch BTE just know how valuable he is to that show? And you know he has been very valuable on the other show, but I don't. I don't think anybody. If, if you go and break out, I don't think anybody touches OC. Honestly, it's just because of like what he's been doing and the big high. Uh, just the most important thing is just because of how much like like time he's had to shine in the spotlight for his uh, positions honestly it's just he's had much bigger matches like obviously with bte like it's john silver and nobody else stands a chance but it's like it, if you would say like dynamite and pay-per-views like breakout stars yeah i would say nobody's touching oc either yeah it's like i, I can i'll be honest and say it's just if you look at where if breakout is where were you at the beginning of last year where were you at the beginning of 2020 and where were you at the end of 2020? No one has went further from where their spot was at the beginning of 2020 to where their spot was at the end of 2020 than OC. Yeah, seriously. But again, if you want to take part in that, it's on social media, so feel free to do that. Um, also, we have been requested uh, by one of our listeners – to do a recap of the most recent Being the Elite. We haven't done a ton of recaps of Being the Elite as we've been shifting more towards covering Dynamite and occasionally speaking on Dark, but we haven't said too much about BTE, but obviously it's a massively integral part to uh, AEW. So Yeah, you, boy, can't really, you can't really do all things Elite without doing BTE because it's such an integral part of the show. I mean, the Dark Order Horde storyline got over on BTE. It really did. Yeah. I mean, but Dark Order got over on BTE, and then it has crossed over to the. Uh, it has crossed over. Uh, we this one was mostly an outline of the band getting back together. As far as we got, uh, got Big Gallows and Anderson swinging the belts like they're their penis at the beginning of the episode, and yes, yes, and they're just uh, talking back and forth, and the Young Bucks. Seem confused as to what's going on. Like, hey, we're with you, but are we with you? Why are you here? Kind of thing. Because, you know, you know, Kenny already has two friends. Why does he need you? 
We're, they're already the tag team champions. Why does he need you? It's very interesting. It's a very interesting dynamic going through. Uh, we then um, get to Dark Order, and apparently their New Year's Eve party sucked. You know, especially why they threw it on the wrong day. So no one showed up on December 27th. Uh, Hangman was the one that so eloquently pointed that out that, you know, the reason no one is there is because of it being the wrong day. Um, five got the blame as usual. Uh, Matt Hardy. It's always five's fault. It's always our chart. Uh, the continuing storyline of Matt Hardy screwing over private party. Uh, continued, and uh, he gets 50% of their uh, third-party apps. And he, they said, they, they was like, he's like, you, I, I'm getting you over. More people know who you are, so you're booking more for Patreon. So shouldn't I get my cut? So Matt Hardy is uh, a carny, basically. He That's the character he's playing, is a carny. Uh, we then find out uh, Frankie K is actually getting a little anger management. He gets a little uh, gets a little angry, but he gets a little anger management. He's he's working on it. He's been reaching out to people, just working on yelling at people. And then Matt <laughs> Matt Hardy then comes and sells, tells the young bucks that their EVPs they need more room, so he sells them a different room. You know, and has them sign a contract without looking at it. And, and of course, Nick is like, well, I know there's not going to be any consequences to signing that contract without looking at it in the future. And that was just our friend doing us a favor as, uh, no. So Matt Hardy was a huge part of this show because he's in that segment where he basically sells the Young Bucks, the coach's office. And then... And, you know, just takes the coach off and puts EVP up. Then he talks Brandon Cutler basically into fighting uh, um, fighting Luchasaurus because dragons are better than dinosaurs. Hmm. Uh, I will I will I will disagree with that slightly also because uh, I'm sorry. Dinosaurs actually existed. Yes. You know, and, I mean, hey, there is an animal called a Komodo dragon. I mean, sure, but is it the size of the dragon that people are thinking about? No, it is not. But over the thousands and millions of years of this world, there have been animals that have come, died, and we have never heard of. We will never know what all existed on this earth. All right, all right, all right. But, hey, again, mid-dragons did not exist during the medieval times. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Then we had Spanglish. Uh, we had Spanglish. I didn't really understand what uh, what happened there. It was kind of those segments sometimes go over my head a little bit. It's just the <laughs> continuation of them con- of uh, giving because it's it's weird how you would think like with a team like Proud and Powerful, they don't have a ton to do on being the elite. Yeah. So their whole their whole thing they've just consistently been doing is the whole speaking Spanglish thing with the uh, I ca- I keep forgetting the name of the announcer's name, but he's always the one who introduces it, but. If you know the announcer I'm talking about, you know which one I'm talking Alex about. Alex Amber, uh, whatever. His name's Alex. He, his name is Alex, yes, and he's very cool. But um, it's like kind of like the only thing that you've, we've seen them doing on Being the Elite. If anything, like with how entertaining, uh, or especially Ortiz, but also Santana, for, for that matter, uh, Proud and Powerful is, um, 
I would think that you would find a little bit more like stuff outside of that to do with them, but that's just me. Honestly, that's one of my complaints about the characters in AEW. But hey, we're getting a little bit more. Hopefully, we're going to get focused. Actually, I have a lot to talk about as far as that this week. Because not a lot feel like happened on Dynamite, but I feel like it brought up a lot of talking points. But then we got Brandon Cutler and Luchasaurus decided that they're going to have their big match on Dark with a one-week build. That's how big this (laughs) match is. It needs a one-week build. That's all it needs. Then we get a kind of crazy segment with... Uh, Vicky and Nyla dressed as nuns and collecting yeah. money for the poor. I personally, it fell flat for me. I did not find it funny, but uh, Sean, which is weird because it's got Vicky in it. I would have thought it would have been hysterical. Yeah, and then Sean Dean, Sean Dean, he played his character well, and he got you know punked out of some money. But it it just felt like I don't know. It didn't feel funny to me. I don't know why it just didn't hit with me. Then we got Flip Cup. We got a number one contenders match well, in Flip Club Cup. Uh, I'll just spoil the ending and say, in an upset, Alex Reynolds beat Orange Cassidy in the finals. They had to go to sudden death. And Alex Reynolds will be uh, going against John Silver in a game of Flip Cup for the most legitimate title in professional wrestling. The BTE World Championship. You know why? Because it's a shoot. Everything they do. It is. It's, everything's it's, a shoot. Everything's a shoot. Uh, John Silver just has to be good at all this stuff. So him and Alex Reynolds are going to battle in Flip Cup next week. And As a person who does not drink too much, uh, I am compl- I, like, I know how Flip Cup works, but uh, this is the one thing. I There's no heat in it for me whatsoever just because I don't drink. As a 40-year-old man, I will tell you, I have never successfully flipped a cup. I either go way, <laughs> way too hard or I go way too soft and the cup does not flip. So I am... And always, it's one or the other. I am terrible at flip cup. Uh, I do enjoy drinking. So that's the best part of it, you know. And I, like, I mean, for see, sure. I've never needed a drinking game. Just give me more to drink. So, That's an alcoholic talking right yeah. there. <laughs> then uh, Brandon Cutler uh, got caught falling asleep when they were traveling. I guess he just fell asleep on a door. Uh, it was kind of crazy. So they kept recording him being asleep. And then Matt tried to get into the room, the office that uh, Hardy had given him, and the key didn't work anymore. <sighs> and, and it's like. <laughs> that's how the show I was, is. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like with the whole like if hotels want them to stay at where they want to stay during this time, like make sure shit works. Yes. So no, uh, it's uh, hilarious. Matt Hardy's super slimy heel is. Uh, I mean, he's the, to me, he's the early favorite for BTE MVP just because he's involved in so much. Of BTE. Absolutely. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about with Matt Hardy, too, on this episode. Yeah, it's just like Matt Hardy's involved in, like, everything. So it's like, uh, you know, and it's cool because he's, he's one of those people. He's kind of good at everything. He's at least decent at everything. And he's, he's not bad at one single yeah, thing, yeah. Yeah, and he's a very good actor. I think people will, will, if you actually pay attention, 
he plays his characters well. He doesn't break like a lot of people do. He stays in character. And sometimes it sometimes he's so good it it shows how not good the other people are. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you're next to a star when you're next to a star player, it, it, it tends not to rub off on you a little bit. Yeah, it's like sometimes the rub works where you're in with somebody great, so you look great too. But sometimes when they're acting and they're acting like at this I wouldn't call it elite level, but a very high level, and you're acting and it's not as good. It's very obvious that it's not as good. Like wrestling, wrestling is like good acting is like a C level. And so if everybody hangs around the C, you can't tell when somebody's being bad at it. Yeah. But when but when someone comes in and puts in that B plus performance, you can definitely tell that you're getting the C. You're probably gonna get chewed out for it. <laughs> yes, it's like, oh, you're not good. I'm like, no, I'm the same way I've been every time. But that guy's what is really mean? good. Yeah, that guy's is really good. So he can make you look rough. So I don't know. I I, that, I, I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it was a good episode of Being the Elite for sure. And and thank you for the listener who requested that we cover Being the Elite. We will definitely continue to bring highlights from Being the Elite yeah. as I mean we cover everything Elite. So might as well talk about it since it's pretty damn important yes but let's get into the main event being AEW dynamite for this week uh we opened up with just a hard-hitting smack like like i like the, the term is used too much and jim ross is on the show but and he didn't say it but i will say i will say it for jim ross a slobber knocker of an opening match between eddie kingston and pack the bastard himself and these guys, first off, Pac came out the gates just completely just shoving Eddie Kingston out, outside, then diving onto him. And just these guys, I mean, like it was said before on the show how Pac is probably one of the more like one of the like pound for pound, one of the best athletes that AEW has. These guys beat the shit out of each other. And it shows like just the athletics because you got a guy like Pac who's unbelievably athletic and the things that he can do just and the way he contorts his body, the way that he just puts his, the strength in his strikes, but at the same time, his aerials and his agility. But then you got a guy like uh, Eddie Kingston, whose athleticism is just in the, mat- in the matter of how he decides to break your skull open, it seems like, or just the amount of ways that he can inflict punishments. And these guys, the whole feud that's been going on with Eddie Kingston and his family and what was the Death Triangle and now is once again the Death Triangle is a complete clusterfuck of, like, like just people just, like... It's, like, teams that were made out of, like, people not being around, but then Pac comes back, and then all of a sudden these have to be sorted out. And it's really intriguing, because then uh, Lucha Bros would then get involved later on in the show, which we'll talk about, too, which I want to speak on big time. But, like, this whole feud, including the part at the end where after Pac got the win, continued to put the Brutalizer on uh, Eddie Kingston, and then just... Fights start breaking out, but then all of a sudden Lance Archer comes out being like, Pac, you got to get your shit together. Like, it's just all over the place, I feel like, with this feud. Yes, and I, okay, so first of all, the match is great. I, yeah. I definitely think uh, Pac is in that top three or four performers in AEW, just as far as, you know, overall performance. I put, like, like if you can go a tier one performer, I'll go, like, Kenny Omega, Ray Phoenix, and Pac. Uh, that would be yeah. my tier one. 
And I, I think would, I would agree with that. They are all amazing wrestlers. So I thought this match was amazing. And there's two ways to go on a AEW first match. You either got to go really, really high flying to keep everybody, or you got to go physical. And they went physical. They went. It was a very aggressive. It was a very much a fight. And of course, Eddie Kingston, being who he is, he's the street fighter. He, you know, when he got advantage and you know played dirty, and he had his uh, come in, and then at the end, it was like you know, Pac hits the finisher and pins him, and then puts on the brutalizer. It seems like Lance Archer came in out, and he was almost mad at Pac because he has to leave some of Eddie for him. He didn't want him to take him all the way out. He, I was going to say, it was kind of a mixture of that, and at the same time, it was like, like, chill out, dude. Yeah. Like, a little bit of... Yeah. It was like a mixture of both of those, and it was, like, kind of hard to fully understand exactly why he was so mad. I, yes. And, you know, other than just Lance Archer being angry, Jake the Snake had one of the comedic moments of the night, <laughs> where he looked like he was about to get between them, and Lance just gives him this look, and he puts his hands up and bounces. I laughed. I howled. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, he can't control this monster that he brought in, which I think personally is amazing. It's a great tell on it. But, you know, and I'm going to go into this more. I feel like AEW right now is missing a good feud. And I think that's one of the best things that they've been great at since Dynamite started last October is they always had a hot feud that you were looking forward to. And it looks like right now they're building a lot of things, but there's no hot feud. So even like on Dynamite for the last couple weeks, and I might be the only one, I think it's a great show. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a great wrestling show. But I just feel like it's missing something right now. And I'll talk about that more as we go through each segment. But this one was the first to start. I was like, you don't know, like, who's Eddie Kingston in the, in the feud with? You know, you want a more defined feud setting. And I thought tonight more clouded things up than it did really establish the feuds. The only feud that's going right now that I am like into, and I think it's the lead feud is Thunder Rosa and Big Breaker. And that should tell you something. So we'll, we'll get more into that later. Absolutely. And well, first off, I would, I would agree with that. Um, Going into the next match though, I will say this feud um, that they're, that they're building towards actually has a little bit more that I'm into. Because uh, the next match was the singles match between uh, the Kentucky Gentleman, I like really like that nickname, uh, Chuck Taylor versus the best man Miro. Uh, if Miro beat Chuck Taylor in this match, uh, he would have to be the butler, all, pretty much, of uh, best man Miro. Uh, Miro did injure Chuck Taylor three weeks ago on Dynamite. He's out for four to six months with a torn pectoral. And he's also still undefeated in AEW since he arrived late last year. And Chuck showed well. And honestly, I think this really showed like the whole this whole match and what's been going on with best friends and Miro, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford. This whole situation I feel is building towards an OC Miro match because OC just pretty much watched both of his best friends get taken out. Like uh, you got. Chuck Taylor, who's now, because Chuck Taylor was not beating Miro. He is the butler now for at least a month 
uh, for Miro. And then you saw uh, Trent, who's now still out with an injury. Both of his friends are now gone, are like pretty much just gone. And it's just building to the point where like the moment that I thought really solidified like what they're trying to get accomplished is when you just see Orange Cassidy sitting outside, like just like crouched down and just looking up at Miro as he's just like, like I fucked up both of your friends and he's yelling at him. And like once this kicks up and like OC snaps back, I think this feud could be something pretty special just because I feel like there's a lot of like good emotional stuff attached to it with the best friends being taken out. And now OC has to fight without him, them by his side. I think that can be something. And again, it's another one of those things that I think also really ties into how much I like the main event. You got a really good date, like simple David Goliath kind of match that you have that always works wonders. I feel like, so honestly, it's like once OC and I'm hoping that he does something next week about this. Um, when OC finally like gets back at Miro, this feud could be something pretty good. Yeah, I feel like the I, I, it might be wrong, but I feel like the obvious thing is that you know OC is going to mess up the wedding, and that's where the that's true. Yeah, the, yeah, we do have that for uh, there for uh, what was the bash? What was the beach show? Uh, beach bash. Beach Bash, yes. Yes, instead of Bash. Instead of Bash at the Beach, it's Beach Beach Bash, Bash, yes. Uh, I, I, you know, and I like that. Of course, Cody had to drop a lot of the WCW trademarks that weren't being used uh, to get his last name back. So that was part of the deal. So instead of like Bash at the Beach, it's going to be called Beach Bash. So works out. We know what he's saying, though. We know what he's saying. And and this match was Chucky T is one of those people. That when he first signed with uh, AEW and him and uh, Trent showed up in the jean thing suits and they signed, I was like, oh, so they signed Trent, they signed Chucky because he's Trent's friend, uh, but they really just wanted Trent. And all since that moment, since that day, all Chucky e. T has proven to me is how good of a wrestler he is. And in this match, he was really, really good, you know, but it wasn't a match for him to win. So he was good in the role that he was playing. You know what I mean? He wasn't there yes. to put on an epic match. He was there to get a few bright moments and then lose. And I think he did that really, really well. And the whole uh, reclamation project, the rebuilding of Emiro, which most people don't like realize they're like i don't like how he's booked right now they're rebuilding him they're making him the monster that he was supposed to be and if you notice he doesn't get pinned he doesn't get on his back a lot i mean i don't even think chucky t had a pin attempt in this match miro is being rebuilt in his old image and he just you know machka kick and then, you know, puts him in the acolyte or whatever. I don't know what they're calling it now. The game over or whatever. And he taps yeah, him out. Much. And it's just like, that's that's it. And it's like, Miro looks like Miro again. Yeah, and again, I, I, was, I, I knew we'd get to that point. I think especially with it surrounding somebody like Orange Cassidy, who's a massive fan favorite, you just had Miro kill his two best friends. And you, like one of the more prominent tag teams in best friends so there you go like now all of a sudden Miro is a monster and it's yeah. completely believable yeah and when Orange Cassidy gets pissed because the only way to really piss off Orange Cassidy is to keep beating up his friends so 
you're going to piss Orange Cassidy off. It's going to build up to a big match between Miro and Orange Cassidy, probably at Revolution if I'm going out on a limb, and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. Now, going into the next segment was when we had the continuation of what we saw on Being the Elite. Matt Hardy fucking with Private Party. Uh, Mark Quinn was, like, was trying to play it off, but is not okay with the 30% deal that Matt Hardy was making with Private Party. And he's like, you didn't read the fine print of the contract. That's your fault. You have to learn. It's a tough lesson. It's your fault. And Mark Quinn then proceeds to call Matt Hardy money grab, um, like the money grabbing carny that we that we had talked about. And Hardy flips out. No one knew who you were before uh, I picked you up. Nobody likes you. The fans don't like you. I'm the only one that's doing what's best in your interest. You're going to shut up and do exactly what I say. And like it's it's exactly what we've said. Like when we were talking about him in being the elite, he's just really good at like. Like, like in every asset, and that acting ability does showcase here. It does. It's it's just it's just more significant than yeah. what you would see in other areas. Yeah, I could just see when they're like, okay, so you've done this stuff with Sammy. What are we gonna do next? And he just says, well, I got this character that I'm thinking about, and I could see him doing it for like two minutes. And Tony, like, yes, we're gonna put that on TV as much as we possibly can because it's such a gold character. It's such a easily hateable character. It's not, yeah, like. I know what he's doing and I absolutely hate him because you you know you have those people that present themselves as friends and then they pull out a contract and they say sign the contract. This is like every made for TV movie or music story that you've ever heard of where they just get you to sign Yeah, they just get you to sign the contract and then you find out later how much that contract sucks for you. So, it's well, not a, only that yeah. too. It's like it especially works well because of the fact of how genuine it seemed that the pairing between Private Party and the and uh, uh, Matt Hardy was because yeah it was I mean, it was a father was, son big brother it was yeah and the way that Private Party was over the moon and back about working with with uh, Matt Hardy like one half of one of the best tag teams in in pro wrestling and now now that there's money involved now that there's contracts involved. All of a sudden, private parties getting gypped, and Matt Hardy's showing his true colors. Yeah, fifty percent, dude. That's a lot. I like it's this. very much a lot. Well, yeah, like but, yeah, it's like uh, I mean, credit cards don't screw you that much. <laughs> well, then we go into the next segment, which is the inner circle announcing their resolutions and their plans for twenty twenty one, and honestly. Like, first off, Jake Hager yelling, Championships, yeah! Why is Jake Hager unironically one of the more funny people in AEW? I don't understand. And he hasn't said, hey, once. Yes. Like, he's, what the hell? Poetry and then just screaming championships. He, like, Jake Hager is hilarious in small doses. And he really he, is. And when he's not trying to be funny. Like... Yeah. Yeah. He just reminds you that big jock that's like, you know, like, wow, we're going to the uh, state. You know, the guy that just screams state every time. We're going to state. We're going to state. Yeah. He's that guy. And he's like, yeah. It's like, uh, and it's a beautiful character for him because he's hilarious in very small doses. It's just when you try to 
make him a bigger part of the role, he becomes less hilarious. Yeah, it's like it's kind of one of those things. It's like don't force it; just let it happen naturally, and he'll really show you the stuff that he can do uh, in terms of comedy. So I would say, yeah, just keep it like that. Yeah, That's but all you need. Yeah, I felt like two things. Uh, I felt like this got a lot out. It set up a match, but to me, it went too long. And again, I, I, I'm going to say this a lot about the uh, 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 inner circle stuff because this is a personal preference. I know some people might just like love it, but it seems like this should be like a YouTube thing that AEW puts out instead of a part of Dynamite. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. Um, when when the, it, the way that it um, the way that it worked on. Um, the way that it worked through the segment, first of all, where um, um, like when it got up to the point where Jericho like was like, "We're I'm gonna team with MJF to win the tag team championships," and I I I pretty much when I heard that I groaned because my mindset was like, "You're you've literally teamed with everybody in here except for the established tag team members." And it's just like, what are we doing here? And then Sammy Guevara, God damn it, you're the voice of reason, the MVP of the segment. Tag, tag team slut. <laughs> tag team slut. Oh my god, I love Sammy so much. Uh, yeah, I I can't even like the moment he called out Jericho for like I especially loved it when he was like, "What are you gonna do, team with Snoop Dogg next?" And he just goes, "Maybe." <laughs> it's like I don't got a problem. I can stop whenever I want. <laughs> but oh my god, the oh god, time that out. And yeah, the for, fact- like the way that he got it out, it was like probably one of the biggest pops of the night. Yes, and the, it was tag team slut. All my chanted started. I could just imagine if that was a full crowd. Uh, that would have oh been the, that would have been in the, the next minute at least. It's being no kidding. Yes. Uh, being called a tag team slut, which is, you know, exactly what he is. He, I remember he, uh, lay sex guys went for the tag team titles. Then they, they he did it. Then he did a segment with Jake Hager and said they were going for the tag team titles. And I kept asking the question. I'm like, dude, didn't you bring Santana and Ortiz in as your tag team? And finally Santana's like, yo, Poppy. And forgive me if that was insensitive. Because I don't say Poppy a lot, but that's what he said. I am quoting what he yes. said. <laughs> that, uh, you know, you brought us in. We're your guys. You handpicked us to be the tag team of the inner circle. And you keep jumping in front of us. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we supposed to do if you're going for the tag team with all these other people? Like, what do you do? You can't, you can't really, you know, bitch at the boss. You know, you just kind of got to let the boss be the boss. So I, I thought this was great. I thought this segment between Sammy and uh, Sammy and Santana Ortiz said what everybody's been thinking about the inner circle for like the last six months. Yeah, I'm glad that they genuinely brought it up too because it it just made it work so much better. Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, this is something that you could buy them saying. Again, I liked it. I just think it kind of slowed down the over to all show to me. I was gonna say, and like the like the the intro where they had each one of the members say what they wanted to do and stuff like that, and like MJF's like, I want to be closer with all of you, build the bond. Like Ortiz is like, I want to perfect some of my grandma's recipes, and I was just like, okay. Uh, like other than the championships, yeah, moment, like none of that was needed. Yeah, and 
Um, but at the same time, though, like this still had another good moment. Too, there was a like, lot, lot of good moments, and I yeah, the match the match being made is really intriguing. I think, <laughs> and then you also had my other favorite moment where Ortiz was like, "Yo, why is your hand tanner than your face?" Yeah, <laughs> that was I mean, I think Santana said that. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great. Yes, and uh, I was I have been looking on Shop AEW for a tag team slut. Uh, t-shirt because I will definitely buy that because I, I am hey, I am a slut for tag team wrestling uh, and it, good t-shirts it, it, yes and a good t-shirt I was like it would mean something completely different when I wear a tag team slut shirt but sure yeah because I love tag team wrestling but still that's funny oh they do have a cool cool ass I'm not a scarf guy I'm in Oklahoma it doesn't really get scarf cold here uh it was like 57 59 degrees today so that should tell you something we're in the middle of winter it was 59 degrees uh, but, <laughs> but they have an all elite wrestling knitted scarf that looks pretty stiff spiffy and if i was in a place where scarves were worn i would buy it and that was not just hi. The advertising hi I, i'm right here yeah yeah michigan uh michigan right there yeah it, it's a really yeah it's a really nice scarf i just saw it and it's like that wasn't like an advertisement i was literally scrolling through to see if they had the tag team slut shirt yet and i saw that and i was like yeah, that's a nice scarf I'll there take a look i will take a look at it <laughs> but going into the next segment we had the dark order being interviewed obviously people were wondering what was going to be next for the dark order uh now that we had the tribute uh, to Brody Lee completed, now we have to wonder what Dark Order is going to do next. And other than everything continuing to be in Mr. Brody Lee's name, what the group does, the first thing they have to do is be better people. And it starts when uh, Hangman Adam Page teams with us. And they pull him in. Freaking John Silver's just like, I love you, man. You're so cool. You're so awesome. And Alex Reynolds just like, chills it down a little bit it was just like are you gonna tell us whether or not you're gonna join the dark order like do it next week let's just do it after the match and he's like okay next week i'll tell you after the match if i'm joining or not so we got a big moment there to see what exactly happens with hangman page and the dark order should be probably one of the moments of the show i would think to see what happens yeah but yeah, I mean, that's what this I mean, promo set up for. I mean, if the way it looks, like, it might even be the main event. And it might. It, it really it, it might. might. And then Hangman, you know, him announcing joining or not joining the Dark Order would be the last thing that happens. And I don't, like I said, I don't know where this is going. I'm looking forward to it because I feel like, I know, I know we got Sting in December 2nd and Kenny winning the title. I know that. And yes. I'm not gonna be. I'm not. I'm not trying to sound greedy, but I feel like something big is coming. I feel like we're yeah. building to something big, and I don't know what it is. So that even makes me more intrigued. It's like because yeah. I know all. I know a few. There's a few free agents out there, and I'm not gonna go through the whole list of free agents. And it's just like, well, is someone coming? Are they gonna rebuild someone? Because you know, there's a few wrestlers that on the roster that could have could be relaunched. Because we haven't seen Scorpio Sky in a long time. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen a lot of people, and it's just like, what's about to happen? Because I feel like something's about to happen. There's a lot of things that could that could kick off, I feel like. So it's going to be really inst interesting to see what happens next week. But then 
this match, we were told it was the Elite versus uh, Danny Limelight the vars- and the Varsity Blondes being Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. We were told it was the Elite versus them. And in a way, it was, but not the way that we expected it to be. Because Kenny was backstage with the Young Bucks and Don Callis. Young Bucks are getting ready. They're like, you know what? Uh, let the We're going to have... Like, there's no need to do the whole intro. The Young Bucks are their own team. Ha- we'll, we'll do our intro. You guys come out next. It's like, we'll just make ourselves feel extra special. Kenny does his intro. Don Callis gets on mic. Building up the match and building up his tag team partners. His two best friends. The Good Brothers. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this is the elite. Yes. And I love. I was just gonna say. I love sorry, how this sorry is. To cut a, you off again, yeah. Yeah, I love how this is a complete Bullet Club ripoff, but they decide to use the term "elite" instead of you know Bullet Club because it's owned by New sure. Japan. So they're saying you know the Elite, and, and it was just hilarious. The swerve, everyone knew it was coming, but it was still like that groan when he you know because Don Callis is playing this. I don't even know what to call it. I, you know, I, you know. I, I kind of when I first went off, I was like, it's kind of a ripoff of Paul Heyman, but he has went such a left with it and made yeah. it his own thing that I don't know what to call it. Don Callis yeah. is uniquely him, and he's great at it. And just how he did it was the young good brothers, and and they come out and. Uh, Gallows and Anderson hamming it up as usual. Uh, my favorite thing is with them is uh, Buenos. Uh, what did it say on his shirt? Uh, oh yeah, I can't remember. Oh uh, Buenos, what you're talking about. Uh, Buenos Hermanos. Buenos Hermanos. <laughs> yeah, on his shirt. I was like, dude, you know this. This is hilarious. And you know they came out and it was like they were a heel six man tag team. You know what I mean? And I'm talking old school. It wasn't Oh yeah. It wasn't AEW flying everywhere kind of thing. It was like they're two big dudes and you know, they beat to beat people up and then uh Carl Machine Gun Anderson, the reason I love him, he threw this picture perfect spine buster. Oh and, and my Carl god. Carl Anderson, I swear to yeah. god, like I never get tired of seeing that spine buster from him. He, like yeah. nobody it's like it's like I always consider, like, if I'm going to name people that do some of the best spine busters, like, you got Double A. Uh, I feel like you could probably put Batista in there, but then you're going to put Carl Anderson in there. Like, just because of the fact that, like, considering his size, you wouldn't think a guy like him would have such a good spine buster, but it's it's just amazing. He whips those hips, and he gets those people around quickly, and, you know, and it, it has that impact to it, and it's just... Such a good spine buster. If he wanted to use it as his finisher, he could. Uh, but I yeah. just, yeah, I thought Danny Limelight, who was one of the other members of the six man tag team, uh, I thought he looked really good. And I just thought, I thought this match was exactly what it was supposed to be. And it was Danny Limelight and the Hollywood Blondes, right? Or no, yes. what is, are they called the Hollywood Blondes or are they called the Varsity Blondes? Varsity Blondes. The Varsity Blondes. And I think Hollywood Blondes is what Stone Cold Steve Austin was in. Yeah, with Brian Pillman. So that's why I get confused because, you know, Brian Pillman was in both teams. So it was funny. You know, I saw Brian Pillman. He jumps off that, uh, does the springboard clothesline, which is his dad's move. And each person on the, each person 
on the face side got their spot. You know what I mean? They got their yeah. their, their moment of shine. But, you know, in the end, you know, the good brothers and Kenny were going to win. But I just think the match, sometimes it's like you can know what's going to happen, but the match does what it's supposed to do. And I yeah, thought this exactly. match did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, and honestly, it's like I would say, too, that, like, yeah, the the whole spot with um, Don Callis changing the matchup was uh, was predictable in the way they set it up. But at the same time, though, like, after the the shattering uh, moment of having all of those guys do the elite, the uh, too sweet pose. Like I didn't expect them to have such problems with each other this early, like all of a sudden. Uh, so I, I will say it was predictable in a sense, but at the same time, I didn't think they were going to go fully down this road of uh, Kenny having his new elite best friends. Like I didn't see it going down this route with, especially I, after they did the, the hand single. I did because if you remember, if you look at it, the young bucks beat FTR straight up. They just beat yes. them to straight up. Kenny reached his goal, not straight up. So that established yeah. a difference of philosophies right there. And I think they've been building on that since Kenny won the title. How they are like, uh, that's not really how we, you know, we thought you were gonna win it. And then the fact that Kenny didn't celebrate with them and just bounced on them, and it was just like, I mean, the divide has been there. It's been a very slow burn, but it's been been there for about a month and a half, and I like it. That's true. I think just the fact that when they did show up and do the too sweet, it just threw me for a fucking loop. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But so. after this was uh, well, first of all, we knew the mat how the match outcome was going to be. Uh, after this match, though, we got to talk about what happened afterwards. Was when John Moxley finally went after Kenny Omega to get back at the AEW World Champion who stole the title from him, pretty much. Um, then all it was a three on one, but then Ray Phoenix and Penta El Zero Miedo come out and even the odds. And then that's when the locker room spreads out. They're holding everyone back. Young Bucks then come out to try to calm down John Moxley. And then they turn into super kicks from the Lucha Bros. So Lucha Bros come out to help John Moxley, but then proceed to kick the Young Bucks in the face. Yes. Now, uh, again, I, I, I might have again missed something on that. Someone's going to need to clarify what that was for. I, I Again, confusing. Confusing feuds. You don't really know who's feuding with anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to set up the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros eventually at Revolution because, you know, they need a team to fight a Revolution. Or it may, you know, because, you know, you, you do need to send a couple AEW guys to uh, Impact. Maybe it sets up a Good Brothers versus Lucha Bros because Lucha Bros are former Impact champions on an Impact show one day. Yeah. But because I'm confused, I don't know which way it's I don't going. Know. Yeah. I don't know where we're going. Because like I was like, someone can probably tell me exactly why they did that. I just don't know. Yes. But so, yeah. after this was the uh, Dynamite debut of The Waiting Room by Dr. Britt Baker. So, I mean, it's it's almost not like it's almost not a wrestling show if it doesn't have a wrestler who has a talk show. I feel like it just every wrestling show it seems like has to have at least one. Um, first guest was the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, who pretty much said nothing that entire segment because after 
he showed up and they were just about to have him speak. Britt Baker sneakily uh, brings in Jade Cargill. Um, while very well knowing Brandy is not on television for a while being pregnant. So she comes out and says no one gives a damn if Brandy's pregnant. Uh, and me and Shaq are tired of waiting. Where Who am I fighting? And that's the point where all of a sudden, after he, he she shoves Cody in the face, Red Velvet comes out, and they just start slapping each other. And then they start fighting, and then this would lead in after they get separated, where Thunder Rosa would finally get back at Britt Baker. She didn't think she would have to fight Thunder Rosa. She does, and it's going to be at Beach Break. And she was not happy, very much like, Tony said I didn't have to fight her! And it's very cool to see that finally get a match made. And again, it's one of their best feuds they have going right now, so it's good to have a match at one of their bigger shows. So I have to separate this into two parts. I loved the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa stuff. I hated everything before that. (laughs) Because they brought out Cody... Cody sends out a tweet, I'm going to have a live mic. And then it's the least Cody segment ever. It's like he's got nothing to say. Yeah. It's like he she jumps out, slaps him sometimes, and then Red Velvet came out. So this segment that was presented as Cody ended up being about Red Velvet and Jay Cargill that I can honestly say no one gives a fuck about. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> it's, it's, like I thought, and this is this is my fault. I'm going to take this squarely on my own shoulders, which a lot of wrestling fans that don't got don't do. But Cody came out on this segment of this talk show. I thought this was leading to Cody being in a major feud. Yeah, I had built it nice. up. I had built it up. I was waiting on who's the guy that's going to come out and challenge Cody. Even if it was Shaq, which I really don't want to see that match. But who's the guy that's going to come out and challenge Cody and build up to him a nice feud? Maybe yeah, because at, yeah, at this point yeah. in time, all he's doing is promoting the Go Big Show. And yes. like, he's got nothing else. He's not doing anything. And as a Cody fan... It's like I almost rather you be away than having you there and not doing anything. And he's not he's not doing anything. And it's it's irking me. And it's like, oh, I built up this moment to be like, okay, we're about to get something. And then it literally the segment is about Jade Cargill, which I, I know what they're doing. I know she has an internet following. She she's very physically imposing. She's fixed foot. She's a fitness model. She's ripped up. But then you have like five, four, whatever pound red velvet coming out. I'm like, she's going to kick her ass. You know? It's like, I don't care. I don't really care about this fight. She's going to like throw her around for like 10 minutes. And then it's like, so it's like, I don't know. First, it's like, I like Jade and I like her on the mic. And I think she has a really big future. It's just, God. The whole putting Cody there is like telling someone you're giving them a steak and then giving them a bologna sandwich. Yeah, I, I like bologna. I, 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 saw, I saw the segment. I was like floating on like. This. Yeah, I like I like bologna sandwiches, but you told me I was getting steak. Sorry, I'm pissed now. 
Like if you just <laughs> if you just said, "Hey Floyd, here's a bologna sandwich," I'd be like, "Okay, you told me you were giving me a bologna sandwich, and then you gave it to me. I'm okay with that." It's uh, it's like the whole thing with like oatmeal raisin cookies. Like, don't tell me you're giving me a chocolate chip cookie and then you give me oatmeal raisin. Because it's not freaking chocolate chip. God, there's so many food analogies I have for this, but. It's like I'm getting swapped. I got swapped. And it's like I got and and I, I don't ever uh in, in, try to pull up these three I got WWE'd. <laughs> yeah. You told me I was getting something amazing. And you gave me something all right. And listen, we are the proclivity of positivity, but if Cody gets messed with, if, if Cody or FTR gets messed up with, uh, that's not going to make Floyd happy. It is not. Yes, yes. It's not. Yeah, the positivity will be at a pause. As Cody is probably a yeah, UVP and probably one writing all of this, you know, part of it. You know, I'm not saying he's the only writer or anything. I'm sure. just saying he's part of the writing team. He has pretty much decided that he doesn't have a big part in the show right now. And that it's like how do i get angry at him for not booking him but uh, it does piss the person that wants to see him wrestle off and it's like the match that we get next week which we'll talk about later is like i just threw my hands up i'm like no that's a dark match it's like this is not at all <laughs> this is not no <laughs> so so right now i am a little frustrated with Cody's lack of booking, and I know I have to be patient. <laughs> and they're trying to get other people around him getting coughed up, missing my Cody. It's all good. Yeah, so uh, I know they're trying to get other people around, build up other programs, but we need Cody, and I'm not afraid to say it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, after this was the tag match of Marco Stunt and Jungle, Jungle Boy of Jurassic Express versus your boys, FTR. Um, honestly, I would say, and it, like it, it kind of stings me because I really like everybody in this match. Probably the the point in the sh- besides the besides that last segment was probably the like the match. Like it had like crazy good spots in it, and like the finish with Tolly Blanchard made me really happy the way they pulled it off. But I don't know. I just didn't really feel too much out of this matchup. Yeah, 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 because there I felt were, everyone. But, I thought everyone performed exponentially good, but it's just I didn't feel much out of it. Because there is a child in the ring. That's why. Okay, but I like Marco. Though <laughs> you I might like Mike. Like you Marco. might like you might like Marco, but you have to suspend your disbelief about three times as much as normal. To buy that he's going to beat somebody, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> it's just, you're in the match just waiting for them to lose. There was no intrigue because <laughs> you were just waiting on them to lose. I like watching FTR wrestle. I like how they cut off the ring, beat up Marco, put him in the Gordy stretch, and, and then blew his hair out of his mouth. There were some very small things, of course, because I watch FTR like a hawk. And I just thought it was I thought it was great. They put put on a great heel performance. And I would think, you know, when it's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, they're gonna they're gonna have be a great face tag team for them to wrestle. Because, you know, it could go either way. But with Marco in the ring, it's like, okay, you're gonna see the cool spots, but eventually Marco's gonna lose, right? And yeah. you're just kind of waiting on it to happen. I I I know people don't like 
Me, you know, I I'm a sizes. I have no ha- I have no problem saying that. But I think most of you, when you realize it and you accept it, you have to realize they're suspending your disbelief, and then there's Marco's stunt. <laughs> I just it's. <laughs> I mean, like that's it's it's just the thing is that like you know that well. First of all, going into this match, I knew that like FTR has been building up getting their wins back after losing the titles and like having Jurassic Express and then Marco thrown into the match. You're like, well, there's the guy who's taking the pin. And I don't like thinking like that, but it's just like, it's just the way that it goes. And And again, everyone performed, everyone performed well. And I really liked how the match like performed, but I was just kind of like, just didn't feel anything out of it. Out of all the matches that don't get time, right? And you know, you know, all the matches that don't get time, this one should have been a two-minute match. And it's just like, once it went past five, ten minutes, and of course, they did a great job on commentary saying FTR just didn't want to pin Marco. They wanted to punish Marco. They wanted Marco to quit wrestling. And that's why they weren't going for the pin. It made sense, but it was just like, as far as entertaining to watch... No. And this is me talking about my boys. You know, yeah. yeah, I love FTR. But was this match after about three minutes entertaining? No, because you were literally just waiting on Marco to get pinned. Yeah. It's, again, it's just, I, I, I can't really say much about it just because of the fact that, like, like it's like, I don't, I, uh, I, I don't like, have. Every, everything that people are saying is they're not wrong. And yeah. I, I can't yes. argue against it. Yeah. I just, I enjoy Marco as a character. I do enjoy Marco. Just in ring, it's where I kind of can't hold it together. I enjoy Marco as a character. I have no problem with Marco's stunt. I just have a problem when he is competing against people that are adult-sized. And you're expecting, you know, you're expecting him to physically match up. And it's just like, if he was bigger, let's say he had another 20, 30 pounds on him, right? And he's small and compact. Oh, I get it. Okay. Like a John Silver. Yeah, he packs a punch. He's short, but he packs a punch. But this dude is short and skinny. He's probably one, maybe 120. Mm -hmm. You can't believe him. You can't believe him beating a grown-sized male. It's just, yeah. it's just the way it is. I'm not, I am not, I, like I said, I am not saying anything normal. I mean, unnormal. Uh, it's just like, if you see. Now, this has been flying around for a while. Yeah, it's just like, if you see LeBron James playing against Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson is a very skilled basketball player. But who's going to win that matchup? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's pro wrestling. It's like it's all entertainment and stuff like that. And I totally under that. That's, that's the argument I've always used for Marco Stunt and like him in ring. But like at the same time, though, it's like he's facing literally one of the best tag teams in the world. And yes, he has Jungle Boy, but like he's still yeah. facing one of the best tag teams in the world. And somebody's going to get pinned in that match, and it's not going to be one of the members of FTR. Yeah, it's it's like I said. It's they're suspending your disbelief. And then you have to, for him, you have to suspend it more than most people are comfortable with. Yes. Okay. Moving from this match, because I actually want to talk about something that I do really, really like. Uh, it's the NWA women's title between, titled match between Serena Deeb, the champion, and Tay Conti, 
with Dark Orders and a J at ringside. I really like this match. I loved this match. I <laughs> want to say, because I, I will say, I don't know if I saw a ton, because I didn't necessarily check Twitter as the show was going on. I didn't check Twitter after the show happened. I don't know if a ton of people were talking about this match specifically. I don't know if anybody like had anything crazy to say or if they were just like, eh, it was okay. No. Here's the thing. If you think this match was just okay, I implore you to, to actually take a look at it again, at it again, because... I, the technicality of the movesets that these girls were putting on, like the transitions from submission to submission, the counters that were used, like this was technical wrestling, which weirdly enough, you don't see a ton on AEW. And I, it's just because we're so used to high spots and the, just like the, like the Southern wrestling style, but like, we don't see a ton of like newer age technical wrestling where like transitioning between moves are like crazy cool and we actually saw this a lot in this match and tay conti probably put on one of her better performances i'd like she hasn't had a ton of times to showcase what she can do but this is probably one of her best performances that she's had serena deeb is still freaking great she's done really well with the nwa title especially considering that she followed thunder rosa she's done more than a good enough job uh, carrying that title. Um, I really, really like this match, and like honestly, like getting a really, really strong women's match and being having it being one of the, the strongest matches on the show made me very, very happy. Yes, uh, this was a very good professional wrestling match, and th- that's the best way I can put it because of the transitions, even even the finish where she just. You know, got she went out of a judo hold, got her into that neutralizer position, and then finished her that way. That's what a champion would do. She's just a better wrestler than. And uh, stark contrast between an NWA match with Serena Deeb and whoever she wrestles with, because she's just a really, really good professional wrestler, versus an AEW women's match. You know, especially in the past two weeks where we get. We got Sheeta versus Abaddon. It was like this extreme difference in the type of matches. And, you know, eventually I think we're leading towards, you know, uh, NWA, AEW. I wouldn't call it merger, but someone being a double champion. So, I, you know, I see that coming forward. But this one did a great job. Serena Deeb is just a really, really good wrestler. And she was Question one of the you, yeah. she was one Question of the lead trainers in WWE. So, you know, yeah, she knows absolutely. how to wrestle. But question question for you too, because we've we've been seeing the women's division uh like between well, we and when I say women's division, we've been seeing the two being Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa from NWA showcasing their steps on AEW. But are we ever going to see any of the male talent from NWA crossover? I I could see uh, Pope Elijah Burke doing it. Uh, Nick Aldis, the NWA protects Nick Aldis. They really do. They really, so really I do. don't know how that would happen because you know he doesn't lose. You know he just doesn't lose. It's like Pac <laughs> when he first signed with AEW, he didn't lose. Yeah, he just doesn't lose. So it's just like I don't know how to work. I, I I'm all for it. I uh, all this Cody, 
All this Cody 3 is kind of one of my dream matches. I know not people won't think of that, but it is. I saw one and two live. I want to see three. I would yeah, love to see, see the, it. The, the, yeah. I, I would love to see it in the AEW ring. More importantly, I would love to see it as a minor main event last 35, 40 minutes of Dynamite. I would love to see it. And I don't care if Cody wins or loses in this case because I just want to see. I think when those two wrestle together, it is magic. And it yeah. takes me back to my childhood. I cannot disagree with you at all. But I had to throw that out just because I've known the, the, the pairing that NWA has had has been strictly with the female talents. I was just curious if people thought that they would eventually have male talent crossover. And I feel like in order for that to happen, AEW has to send some of their guys to power. Yeah, and, and and believe me, there are top flight, uh, a top flight. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, the private party, uh, Silver and Reynolds. There's a lot of young tag teams in AEW that could use a lot more work. You know, Scorpio Sky. If you wanted to uh, send him the power, let him get a few wins, and maybe do a main event with Nick Aldis or Burke. You know. I think there's a lot of things you can do to get the people that aren't on TV as much as you would see more exposure. So I, I love the working relationship. That's why I thought with Impact. I, I, I watch, when I watch Impact, all I think is, man, they have a few good segments, but there's a lot of dead segments. What if they could use AEW's young talent on their dead segments to get more excitement built up? I just think it would work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an idea. I would definitely think that people could consider it. But let's get to the main event of this show. The TNT Championship match between Darby Allen and the Machine, Brian Cage. This is why Darby Allen is my favorite wrestler on AEW. Right here. Like, I don't want to hear... Like, if you have another favorite, that's fine. But this is why he's my favorite. The, the, the toughness of this dude... Is something that I just don't, I can't, I can't explain it. I mean, first off, comes out the gate like nearly sideways, diving out through the middle ropes. Like he goes sideways as he crashes into Brian Cage, but he got the shit kicked out of him in this match, including when he just got thrown ten feet in the air through a table and got busted open in the process. I mean, this, like I said, it's that simple David versus Goliath match where, when showcased properly. Especially with a guy like Darby Allen who knows how to sell. Um, like, you have instant, like, you want to see Darby come out on top with this. And again, it's even though he's the champion, it felt so legitimately like everything was against Darby and he had, like, literally nothing he could do to get out of this situation. But a little f favor from uh, another face painted friend in Sting at the end of the match where. Ricky Starks gets involved, but then finally, I will say, we got to see Sting use the goddamn bat, throws it against his throat, hits him in the gut. Ricky Starks is knocked out. Beautiful pinning combination used as the submission as he gets him off the top rope and gets him into a pinning combination and gets the win. Darby Allen retains the TNT title. Again, uh, this weird friendship we've been having with Sting and Darby Allen is still intriguing, but at least we got to see Sting do a little bit more in this in in this show compared to before but again like we don't know exactly what he's going to do still from a week-to-week -week basis but again this match shows you why darby allen is my favorite wrestler in aew 
All right. So I'm going to start positive because, you know, fertility for positivity. Darby Allen. People say he's the baby. He's the, uh, you know, like Jeff Hardy and Sting had a baby as far as a look. But in the heart, that dude is Mick Foley. <laughs> the things he will put his body through to entertain us as fans is not just remarkable, like unbelievable. Like the He's relentless. Th- 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 He's absolutely th- relentless. Through 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 the table. Amazing, right? Uh it was just like some of these spots I will never ever forget. Uh the th- Brian Cage throwing him through the table. If like wild moment of the year contender in January. So believe me, I, I enjoyed the actual physical uh, nature of this match. So now we're going to go into two things I don't like. One, I don't like my champion being an underdog. I don't like it. I don't like it. You the ace. You got the ace belt. You're the champion. Don't I hate the build up as him as the underdog in this match. It's like Brian Cage, hey, he's good, but Darby Allen's a really, really good professional wrestler. That's how I would like it. And but whatever. Second of all Well, okay, I will say for that one thing, um, the whole reason as to why I felt like he was the underdog was this fact that like he went by himself and they were really just pushing the size difference. Oh dude, that's what I'm talking about. The hundred pound size difference. If you want me I don't think they needed do, to push you, that, yeah. Yeah, if you want me to not care about that. You as a sizes, you want me to not care about size, right? Yeah. Don't focus on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can see he's a hundred pounds heavier than Darby Allen. I don't need you to tell me that. <laughs> like anybody with eyes can say he's bigger, but bigger isn't always better. Shit, just, Cody was the dying killer for a while there. So don't get me wrong. I, you know, but if you harp on this. Huge difference, and it's just like, okay, so he's throwing him around this much. He's throwing him around this much. Okay, he can't take this much of a beating. He's kicking out at one because he's relentless. Yes. And I was just like, okay, all right. It, it was like it was conflicting emotions for me. Second of all, Team Taz, Team Taz is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, one of my favorite talkers of all time. Ricky Starks, Vic Will Hobbs, you know, Brian Cage, and Hook, the young boy of the group. <laughs> they never win. They don't. And it's just like, to me, to be a believable group, you have to win at some point. They only jump people. And they went on, they went on uh, dark. <laughs> you know, but but everyone wins on dark. Yeah, but Ricky Starks got to you know with Darby for the title shot lost. And it's like so Taz, and then Taz doesn't even go down the ringside. They explain it, but I'm just saying, what value are you bringing as a manager, as a person just watching the program? It's like I would be like, if I'm Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, it's like, oh, you brought me in, I never win. Yeah. Why are you my manager again? I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking. I, that's the thing. It's like I, if they take it down that route, I think it'll be in, it'll, it'll work at least. But if they don't, then it's kind of like 
you got a little bit of a glaring issue in your group. Yeah, it's like you got a group that never wins. It's like Brian Cage is the machine, but he's the machine that malfunctions in big matches. <laughs> the malfunctioning machine. Yeah, he's he's doing. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's like okay, cool. You got this. You got you got your computer right, and you know it runs perfectly when you don't need it. But when it's time to report the podcast, it always shuts down. You uh-huh. would get a new computer. <laughs> that is Brian Cage right now. <laughs> Every time he gets in a big match, he loses. So I, I'm not saying this to say that they need to beat Darby. They don't. I mean, Darby. Do you is think? The, do you think uh, Brian needs a feud that he can look dominant in? Yes, he needs. The, team, team Taz needs a feud they can look dominant in. Because all they do is run from a 60-year-old man with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's what they do. What's been the last and they get, five? And they, get, and they get snowed on. Yeah, since December 2nd, when I, when I watched it, what have they done? Ran from a 60-year-old man with a baseball bat. That's it. I mean, five, six weeks in a row. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I totally get that, and like, it's like as someone especially who does really like Darby mm-hmm. Allen, I think now with him as TNT champion, you need to make the man look like 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 a legitimate threat against his challengers, and like the challenger needs to be the underdog in uh, against the yes. champion for Darby because honestly, it's like while that works for him when he's competing, it's like a Daniel Bryan situation. It's like while he's working towards the title. Obviously, he's the easiest underdog to root for. Like, no question about it. But, at the same time, though, it's like... He's better in a chasing role. Yeah, but but when he's the champion, though, like, you have to still make him seem formidable like a Daniel Bryan. Yes. You can't say he's the underdog in every title match he has. Yes. Why are you the champion if you're the underdog? Sure, yeah. Yeah, the, the champion is supposed to be the two-to-one favorite, you know? <laughs> it's like, and we go in, it's like, oh, well, Darby's uh, Darby's uh, plus 210, and uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Cage is minus 120. I'm like, who's the champion again? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> it's like, so I don't know. I, I, I love Darby. Uh, you know, he's not one of my favorite wrestlers. He's really not. But I, every time he's in a match, he is very entertaining to me. He's not one of my favorite wrestlers. I have no problem with saying that. I am not a put the I am not a put the TNT belt back on Cody. My thing is, he's the champion. You know, treat him like a champion. And I don't feel like they're treating him like a champion. Eh, well. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, maybe I'm the only one in the world seeing it like this, and I'm okay with that. I, I, you know, it's just, it's just, I'm used to my champions being strong. Even when Daniel Bryan became champion, it wasn't because he was lucky. It was because he was better than everybody that they put him in front of. Yeah, no, it's like <laughs> I think that I think in his next in the next feud for the TNT title, like there needs to be a true like difference in talent i feel like for darby i think yeah maybe even give him joey janela for the title you know you know somebody that is a very good wrestler you know but will make darby look strong yeah something like that or like just somebody like i said somebody that like just can make darby seem like the the formidable champion yeah 
Yeah, so just you gotta like, be, a champion has to beat up on a smaller opponent occasionally, like yeah. just to make his title reign. Like, yeah, just win, like important. And the thing with Sting, okay, Sting, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. I put my little sister in the Scorpion Deathlock more times than I can count. Like she probably hates Sting to this day because I put her <laughs> in the Scorpion Deathlock so much. He got to take an ass whooping. It's that simple. Sting got to take a beat down. I don't know how much he can sell, how much he can bump. Maybe they can hit him in the stomach and then just stomp on him. But it's time for him to take a beat down. Uh, it's like... I don't know what they Someone's got to take a shot. Yeah, someone's yeah. got to take a shot at him. He needs it, a feud. Yeah, because right now, this is lame. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, first three weeks, it was like nostalgia. Sting! Sting! Oh my god, it's Sting! And then fourth week, it was like, okay, so they know he's bringing a bet, and they know he's jumping in his business. Like, the one time where Will Hobbs tried to fight him, even when he had the bat, what I thought was amazing, because you got these four badasses. That dude only has one bat. <laughs> you know, he's only got it. It's like he's only got one though. I'm like you got one bat that doesn't equal it out with four people. <laughs> you know, it's like. But it, but if you spin around with the bat 360 motion, you can hit everybody at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I don't know. Like I said, but <laughs> the last five or six weeks, it's like the one thing I can say this about AEW over the last year. And I, I would love someone to actually comment or message me about this and tell me if you disagree. It's that you never felt like you were getting the same thing two weeks in a row. You, and with Sting, you feel like you're getting the same thing. Like six weeks in a row. <laughs> and it's like, Honestly, I see that. I see it's that, yeah. like you're getting your main dish, and the main dish is different. You're getting steak. You're getting pork chops. You're getting whatever your main dish is, but every week the side is green beans. Oof. That's and that's what they're like. Oh man, mm, first week she puts a little garlic on a little butter and a little cheese. Man, these green beans are amazing. Second week, okay. Third week, hey dude, do you got another side? <laughs> we need. I need. I need, yeah. some, I need something different here. Yeah. So I just needed to. I don't know what it is. Is uh, if he takes an ass whooping, if there is some more of a conflict than what it was, I know it's a slow build, but it's like it's a slow build that should be happening every couple weeks. Like Sting yeah. should be on this week, not be on the next week, then be on the next week. But because it's happened week after week, yeah, after we're like week, you don't know when he's gonna show you, up. Yeah, yeah it, it's like I mean that's what made Sting work back in WCW when he was in that when that yeah. gimmick with the whole black and white face paint. He didn't know when he was gonna come down the rafters. But yes, go back and watch every Dynamite since the second. He's done the same thing. So yes, as a fan of the show, and like I've always said, even though we are the proclivity of positivity, some I don't like something I'm gonna say it. I need more from Sting. And not more as in for, I don't need him wrestling in matches. I don't need him anything. But I just need it to be more of a give and take. It's just like, yeah. Sting is coming out, pointing his bat at people, and they run. And it's like, yeah. Taz, Taz's team is not the chicken shit heel guys. They're not. No, That's they're, not how they're, they're built. They're not the guys that run away from the fight. 
They're the guys that want to fight you. But for the last six weeks, they've been the guys that run away from the fight. So I don't know if they I don't know if they're going Darby and Team Taz going forward. They might go a different direction, please. Uh, but we, I, I just I just had to get that out there. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll wrap up AEW Dynamite for this week. I guess all we had to do real quick is just go ahead and go down the preview for next week's card for Dynamite. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we'll just go through the matches. Santana and Ortiz, Jericho MJF versus Sammy Hagar, which, again, it's an amazing name for a team, Sammy Hagar. And the fact that Sammy didn't get that he was making a joke was pretty freaking phenomenal. That was good. Again, that was one of the better – that, uh, Santana taking the stab at MJF for his tan hands, and then uh, tag team slut were the best part. And, and of course, championships, yeah, yeah, were the best part of that segment. Um. We have the Hangman and Dark Order team up versus TH2 and Chaos Project, where Hangman will announce if he's joining the Dark Order after yeah. the match. Call, call, Max you, I need your prediction before we move to the next one. Your prediction, does Hangman join or not? See, if he doesn't join, I don't know what he does, so I'm going to say he joins. I'm going to say he joins, too. We actually I was going to say, I just, I just don't know what he does. If you could, it's like, I know you can do something with Hangman, obviously. You can always do something with Hangman, but with the story that they've been telling, I see him joining. Okay. But then we have Matt Seidel and Top Flight teaming to face Matt Hardy and Private Party. Obviously, the the dynamic between Hardy and Private Party has been unbelievably entertaining, and I want to see more of it. Uh, we get to see Chucky e. T beat Miro's butler. Uh, I assume Miro's going to ham it up like crazy. I think he'll make it pretty funny. John Moxley will be in action, and then we get Cody Rhodes... Versus Peter Avalon. Yes. So they added this in the last hour. And I was like, man, you know me. I'm, you, you've heard me about 20 minutes ago bitching about wanting Cody to have a feud. And I'm like, pretty Peter Avalon. That's a dark match. <laughs> that is, Not to mention how like, the, yeah. the, the battle of dark was between Avalon and Cutler. It's like you could have put Brandon Cutler in this match and it would have been the same thing. Yeah. No, this is a dark match. I don't know why this is happening. I hope it leads to something. But I'm not going to let myself be built up for it to lead to something and leave in disappointment like I was to this week. I learned my lesson. But you PP- learned your lesson. But PPA all day, he got a million-dollar contract from Cody only for him to rip it from his hands. Maybe we get some revenge for Peter, uh, Pretty Peter Avalon. Yeah, maybe we'll see that. Yeah. But overall... That's going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and for listening real quick. Remember, if you're listening to us on Google or Apple Podcasts, be sure to share us around with your friends. And on Google or Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a rating and download the show uh, for, for, the, for the podcast. We would really appreciate that. Um, again, if you want to leave a donation, you can leave it through Red Circle. We'd be mega appreciative of that. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. Are, uh, at Social Suplex are the people who make this possible. I am at SZumer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with all that out of the way on this very intriguing episode of All Things Elite, I'm going to cry because my Red Wings still suck. And I was excited for the NHL being back, and now I realize how bad my Red Wings are, so I have to cry exponentially hard. But Floyd, you can go ahead and take us home for this episode of ATE. All right, so I want everybody to know again. I, I you know what I felt negative in this episode, so I'm going to 
first of all, apologize for the proclivity of positivity being kind of negative. But it was just like I just had so many questions and I was hoping, you know, other people out there might have had the same questions I was having. So I just threw it out there for you. But I really appreciate it. I actually love AEW. I think it's the rest, best wrestling show out there right now. And even on days and even on weeks. When I think it's kind of like not the best wrestling show, it's still the best wrestling show because they focus on wrestling. So I just wanted to get that out the way and let you know, enjoy all the sports that's going on right now. Hockey's back. NBA's back. Uh, we're in the NFL. Uh, we're in the NFL playoffs. There's so much going on. You know, it almost feels like the world is inching, inching or millimetering, whatever you want to go. It's way back to uh normal uh if you can get the vaccine get it but remember wear your mask social distance all that good stuff as a person that has had corona which i'm trying not gonna i'm gonna try not to bring up every week i'm just gonna tell you this shit sucks my wife is a month since what what is it uh 18 days since her diagnosis, she still doesn't have her taste buds back. So I just want everyone to take that serious. But remember, uh, just, you know, appreciate everybody. Make sure you call everybody. I've heard depression's up right now. So, hey, if you're feeling down, reach out to your people. Uh, reach out to your people. Do Zoom meetings. Do whatever you need. But remember, whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.